Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio. And welcome to Rocksport Radio. It's Tuesday night and I'm Maureen McGonigal and this is Let's Hear It For The Girls. Um, tonight we have Annalie Rattari-Stewart joining us and she's a Masters powerlifter with a day job as MDFI Prospect, a global award-winning digital marketing agency based in Edinburgh. So welcome, Annalie. Thank you very much. Um, so as usual, we're going to start off off by having a little look back at last week's Women in Sport before we chat. Um, happy to join me on that? Absolutely. Good, good. So let's start off. I'll just tell you what's happening in bowls because, you know, loads of sports are working hard to make sure that women have good competitions. And at Scottish Bowls, it was a big shout out and congratulations to all sorts who won the inaugural Ladies National Top 10 at the National Centre for Bowling in Air. They faced West Fife um, in a thrilling final, which went down to the last bowl as both teams were tied on four points each. However, it was the all sorts that managed to come out victorious by the closest of margins and with a one-shot advantage. So well done to all or all sorts. Um, in Shinty, it's um, an interesting road to fundraising, Annalie, um, this weekend because a Highland-born accordionist broadcaster and an ex-Scotland international Shinty player, Gary Ennis, released a brand new charity single to raise fun for the women's Shinty and it actually made its debut at number 88 in the charts. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> it's quite unusual, isn't it? Feel the Power was released on Friday the 6th of September um, and just before the Maui Valerie Fraser Kavanagh Cup final, um, which is a Blue Ribbon event for them. And what they're hoping to do is with all the money raised, it'll help them buy equipment and the general development of the game. So I think you can still download it. I think it's only a pound. Um, but I thought that's quite a quirky um, way to catch the attention and to make some money. Absolutely. Um, I was wondering, do you know Shinty? Um not that well. We didn't have shinty in uh, Sweden ah. and Finland, I believe. So you, uh, it's all new to me. Quirky things in Sweden or Finland that we, we do don't have indeed. Here. Uh, and in fact, in Finland, they've got some really bizarre sports as well. <laughs> where uh, one of them, believe it or not, if wife carrying, they even have a world championship in that. A world uh, championship. Yeah. Wife carrying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, um, and they also have besapallo, which is like uh, Finnish baseball. Uh, but I think my uh, my favourite is the welly throwing, which I'm actually quite good at. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One that you can practice anywhere. Something so. else to add to your talents. Exactly, your why talents. not? <laughs> that, that'll be top of the list as well. Well, another kind of Scottish sport, of course, is curling. And Team Jackson, consisting of Skip Sophie Jackson, Naomi Brown, uh, Mill Smith and Sophie Sinclair, qualified for the playoffs in Hasselberg in Sweden. But, uh, sorry, against Hasselberg from Sweden but it wasn't to be as they finished 6-4 but I think they were happy um, as it was a good first comp back and next up is Shorty Jenkins which is a strange name for a competition so I had to have a little Google to find out about it and it's an annual curling tournament held in Cornwall, Ontario and named after Clarence Shorty Jenkins who was a famous ice technician in the sport of curling he was known for his pink trademark cowboy hat, pink leather jacket and pink cowboy boots. That's some outfit. I think you would see him miles, miles away. (laughs) (coughs) 
excuse me, onto tennis and I just wanted to wish Eva good luck from St George's School in Edinburgh. She's a primary six pupil and she's off to Croatia to represent Team GB at the Champion Bowl World's Final which is an international junior tennis competition. The interesting thing about this is she was one of the excuse me, one of the first to come through the Judy Murray um, strain of getting young girls interested in tennis so it just shows you how the pathway works, get them interested and then you've got a young girl going off to represent GB. That's a brilliant success story. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's only apt that we should wish, wish Judy Murray happy 60th birthday. I saw Twitter going crazy yesterday with all the birthday messages and of course knowing Judy Murray, beautiful birthday cake um, she's got such a sweet tooth um, so yeah, happy birthday from, from all at Rock Sport today. Now, tug of war after last year's amazing success. And again, Anna Lee, do they have tug of war in Sweden? Is that something? Yeah, we do have that. Mm-hmm. I have done that in some, uh, you yeah. know, more. I don't know if it's an actual sport, but definitely when I grew up in some social, uh, you know, occasions, I remember doing that. And we actually uh, recently had a tug of war competition at work. Um, Did yes, you? on wow. festival. Square, so uh, my team lost, but it was good fun anyway. Well, it's strange because it's predominantly the farming community in Scotland that do tug of war, and last year the Ayrshire girls really came to prominence because they won the gold medal, so basically world champions. So they're working hard to to keep that standard up. Um, So recently representing Scotland again, they won um, the championship medal, um, and they've started off the silver. It started off the season with a silver at 520 kilos. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they can keep the standard up, having been world champions last year. They're obviously just there to be brought down again, aren't they? That's what happens when you get to the top. There's nowhere else for you to go but <laughs> back down again. So now we're on to football and Hibernian ladies take on Slava Zeni in the UEFA Women's Champions League round of 32 on Wednesday. And with the first leg taking place at Easter Road and tickets are now on sale, priced £10 and £3. And of course they would love to see as many people there as possible to go out and support them. Glasgow City are away for this round and they're in Russia to Shertanovo. So good luck to both teams, it'd be great to see them get a little run in the Champions League. Also, maybe not Scottish, Annalie, but I thought it was worth a chat. It was the start of the Women's Super League down in England and two games obviously caught my attention with the Manchester City, Manchester United, the Derby down there, creating history with a 1-0 victory for for City over United in front of a crowd of 32,000 213. Wow. Um, That was good. And then the next day... um, it was the turn of Chelsea and they had just under 25,000 at their game. Now with the Manchester City game, of course, we had Caroline Weir um, who scored the only goal um, and Edinburgh alas. Um, and um, by all accounts, it was a 25-yard stunner um, thumping it into the top corner. So keep your fingers crossed that that continues for the national team. Um, and uh, Chelsea, of course, uh, successful against Tottenham Hotspur, who I think are just in that league. But, you know, given the, um, 
you know, we've just had the World Cup. There's been a lot of focus. What do you feel? Is, is this um, is this here to stay? Is this interest? How do we keep that? How do we sustain it? I suppose with your sort of digital marketing head on, is that an important tool to use? I think so, absolutely. And celebrate the great play that actually women contribute with and look at the goals and, and also highlight all these amazing players. And I think there's a real momentum now following the World Cup and a, uh, and a real... Um, interest in women's football so now's the time to really really try and drive crowds to the games and and really try and get media coverage for actually the results and and the great play that the women contribute with. I watch um, Manchester City they do a lot in social media they do very edgy videos they use the girls and they use power and strength you know they get that over in their videos to me I think that's a perfect way to sell it um how do you think Scotland compare? I mean, what what could we do to try and get the crowds up here? I think, um, you know, it can, can potentially be difficult to get you know, men coming to just watch the women's games sometimes. So maybe also having women's games before the actual men's game so that if they don't watch the whole game, maybe they can come to the latter end of the game, for example, might be a good kind of introduction to get more men to watch women's games as well. There were there were a couple like that down in England. I'm not aware of any happening in Scotland. I, I worked in football for 20 years and that mm. was one of my ideas. Mm. But the, the answer back was we don't want the park cut off cut up before the big event um, which I don't think happens and we're moving more and more to um, you know synthetic grass as well so that wouldn't yeah. be an argument for the teams that have got synthetic grass but I think if, if they are realistic in trying to support the development of the women's game they have to look at things like that Absolutely, and I think we should also look at initiatives. How do we tap into new audiences as well? So what can we do for families to come and watch women's games, etc.? I've got two little boys that love football, and I would love to, you know, take them to more games. And if there's, you know, specific initiatives to look at, okay, well, how do we make it accessible and how do we promote these out to specific audiences? Then I think social media can be a very powerful tool for that. And especially if we show the great atmosphere that can that's at you know the games and and really try and encourage more people to come then it's social media can be a great way to do that i think in terms of getting the families in and particularly if you've got boys in the family it also helps break down the gender stereotypes that can form in their heads you know because they're coming along they're seeing a good game of football they're enjoying it and i think that has a knock-on effect in in terms of the the, the gender bias in society as a whole absolutely um so yeah well here's another one for you right i was um, reading this weekend that the finnish fa have announced that they will adopt an equal pay structure going forward for the male and female national teams now i feel as if we should have a fanfare i know know, that is is amazing it's an historic moment for women's football and finland have confirmed the move and hope that other competing nations will soon follow suite so there was nothing in terms of we'll do it when um the numbers are up we'll do it when the investment's there they're doing it now and what a powerful statement to put it's brilliant and it really is a historical agreement and it shows how forward thinking uh finland is as a nation but what was really nice to see because i followed this on twitter it's also to see that 
um, the captain of the men's team went out to celebrate the women and talk about how important this was. So it wasn't just the women that was celebrating it. Exactly it was the football seeing. society yes. as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that really yeah, helps to f- fly the flag for equality and hopefully more countries will, will follow suit. Uh-huh. I mean, I think it was lovely. Um, the, the Finnish Football Associate Chairman, Ari Lati, am I saying that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> basically said, we want to be involved in the development of a more responsible and equal society to me that's that's such a powerful statement because he's understanding the power of football the power of sport and taking the responsibility of ensuring that it is also going to benefit all of society i mean it's it's my thought that you know finland sweden scandinavian countries and we may go into this a bit later on when we're talking about your own background but you don't have the same gender issues as we do in Scotland. Is that right or wrong? Um, It did feel like that growing up. You know, I started playing football when I was eight and it was always just I assume that we were you know equal on those terms and I think actually that this historical agreement is a concrete indication that they view the first teams to be equal. Yes I mean I I agree with you and it would just be lovely to see that being a rolling um, effect on the other nations. I think there might be a few doing that. But we've got Jamaica currently on strike because they haven't been paid, never mind equal pay, um, for their participation in the World Cup. We've got the US girls, again, struggling to get this balance right. Um, so for someone to come out and uh, just say this is it and it's going to help society, powerful statement. So Absolutely. watch this space. Um, going on to cycling, um, um, and it's a huge well done to the riders with the Scottish Women's Road Race Veterans 50 with the first place going to Gillian Curry from Dunfermline followed by Patricia Baird from Inverclyde Velo and Carol Lawson Kintyre Wheelers taking the third spot. And now on to Hannah Rankin, a friend of Scottish Women in Sport and also previous uh, on this programme. She is tweeting that she's absolutely buzzing to finally announce that she's signed a promotional contract with Salita Promotions and will be making her promotional debut on the 5th of October on the Shields Habizan undercard in Flint, Michigan. So good luck to Hannah, um, who is obviously Scotland's first women's world champion in boxing. I know that's something that quite um, interested you because when Hannah was um, fighting for the title in uh, Paisley, you were interested in going. Unfortunately, circumstances stopped you. Have you ever tried boxing, Anne-Marie? Um I went to watch a boxing match, just a white-collar boxing match, which one of my friends in London did for fun. And I thought it was so inspiring. They take uh, these people that have never boxed before and train them up to do an actual game in three months. And I, when I watched that, I thought, well, I'd love to try that because uh-huh. I always like a challenge, but I don't know if I like being punched in the face. Though. <laughs> so I've never, I've been sparring a little bit, but I've never done, no, I have never tried uh-huh. a proper boxing match. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you know that uh, Hannah's day job is um, she's a classical musician. I didn't know that. That's incredible. <laughs> what uh, a talented lady. Uh, yes. So, I mean, she has to make sure. I think it's a, um, gosh, I can't remember what she plays. I was going to say the cello, but it, I don't think it is. It's an instrument, I think, that she has to use her mouth with. So she has to make sure that she does safeguard her face and her fingers. Of course. Um, so it's like um, a double worry going into yeah. the ring, thinking, I don't want to harm myself because I don't want to be harmed. But if I do, it's going to impact my daytime job, which obviously is the one that's paying for her to enable her to, uh, yeah. to participate in boxing. 
and so yeah that was um that was hannah so wow. good luck to her she's so inspirational though. she's what a, a lovely model. young woman yeah <laughs> definitely i thought we'd have a little chat around the national advisory council of women and girls i don't know if you know about this it was a group that was set up by the first minister i think about 2016 2017 and basically they're looking at how they can tackle gender inequality in scotland um and i've been to one of their meetings it's amazing they call it the circle and they have they had it in the hub in edinburgh which is quite a big venue i think they had about 14 tables 10 to a table and you know we all listened to the speakers and then you all participated just certain questions to answer you debated it in your table it was all taken to the front and basically what they're looking for is grouping all the things together looking at these issues and then taking them to the first minister and they have different themes every sort of two months the theme for september october is sport and what they're encouraging everyone to do, whether you've attended the big circle or not, is to create your own wee circle. Um, talk over the things that you think um, need to be addressed and need to be changed for women in sport. And you can feedback. In fact, you can go onto their website. I'm going to read it out once for you. It's onescotland.org forward slash equality dash themes forward slash advisory dash council dash women dash girls but i'm sure that if you just do the national advisory council on women and girls you'll get there what's your thoughts on this sort of complete package here do you think that is something that will make a difference i hope so i think all of these initiatives will drive focus on specific areas but ultimately it's about driving momentum and getting people behind it and finding the topic areas but also specific initiatives that we can get behind because I love when you get like-minded people together and you get so many great ideas but the true challenge is how do you harness those ideas and how do you actually make it happen and I think that's where you know they need to get the right um, roadmaps, the right plans, the right um, you know milestones in place to actually then be able to drive change. Well, I think, as I said uh, just at the start there, if you want the opportunity to make your feelings known, you can get your circle together. Even you can feedback as an individual. Just go onto the website. It would be great to to get everybody thinking about it and collectively looking what are the main areas and how, as you say, we can then start working to make sure that the, the change. But that's a great initiative to take to your group of friends and look at what are the things that we want to change and then coming together uh, and actually try and do that. Great excuse to get your pals together. I know. Great excuse. Instead well, of a book club, let's uh, <laughs> let's drive change. Let's uh, yeah, go, let's drive go. change. And while we're here, let's sit and have a little wine and let's exactly. discuss the world. At and large. some cheese and nibbles. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Annalie. That's us finished um, for this part of the show. And just before we go into a short ad break, um, let me see if you've got a, an event coming up. You'd like some publicity. You get some results that you feel people should hear about. You want to shout about, or perhaps you just want to promote your sport and come on the show um, you can contact me at any of the Rock Sport social media channels and you'll get them on their website or directly at my own Twitter feed that's um, Maureen Rock Sport without the O um, so that's Maureen Rock Sport without the O so looking forward to having you back with us while you have a little cup of tea and a digestive and we're going to hear later from Anna Lee all about her time in Sweden, her time with uh, 
uh, Eye Prospect and what's coming up, which is very, very exciting. Stay tuned. Have you ever lost money on an investment? If a high street bank persuaded you to buy a stocks and shares ISA, unit trust or investment bond and you lost money, Goodwin Barrett can help you get back thousands of pounds in compensation. Even if you don't have the investment anymore or the paperwork, Goodwin Barrett make it easy to find out. Text GOOD to 6677. That's GOOD to 6677. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages, so we can turn this into this. Hello. Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. Leave the winter outside with Plumbase's hottest offers in the Feel the Heat brochure. Get yours at your local Plumbase branch. Plumbase is the place. Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio. Welcome back and welcome back to Annalee. Um, and uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about you. So we're going to start at the very beginning because you were born in Sweden to finish parents. That's right. Uh-huh. So I grew up in a small place called Ösmo, which is about 50 kilometres south of Stockholm. And it was really it quite idyllic place uh, to grow up. But that's when I started playing sports. It was what all my friends did. So I started playing football at the age of eight and ice hockey at the age of 12. And I also tried every single sport that was available from handball to sailing to basketball. And it was just what everybody did. Oh, we it just, were all it just really seems sporty. like a lifestyle, doesn't it? I mean, it's not like you make a choice. You just do it because it's part of your, yeah. your growing up process. Absolutely. And um, it wasn't that we were a particularly sporty group of girls. We were doing all the other things that girls are into as well, you know, especially growing up. You know, you're into your hair and your makeup, etc. But football and ice hockey stayed with me for pretty much all of my life. So I played football up until 2006 and ice hockey as well when I lived in London and and moved to Edinburgh but when I got married I had um, two of my bridesmaids were of of the same team when we joined started playing together eight years age of eight years old so when I started playing football and I said at such a young age I made some lifelong friends that actually stay with me for my whole life Uh but let me ask you in in Sweden as a young girl was there a big focus on sport within the school environment or was all this after school a bit of both, a uh-huh. bit of both. So we did play in a um, PE was never something that you could 
not participate in. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories, especially at the Power of Sport conference, you know, uh, that w girls reach a certain age and then they excuse themselves from PE. Uh, that would just not really happen. You wouldn't be able to systematically not be part of the sport in school. There was a very important part of the curriculum. Um, and I think both in school and outside of school, there was always uh, a camaraderie and a real focus around it. So it was something that a lot of people wanted to do. It seems to me like it's a different mindset because you know you're, you're saying that that wouldn't happen so I was going to ask you would it not happen because they were strict that you had to play sport or was it that it wouldn't happen because it's something that everybody enjoyed and you looked forward to getting out of the lessons to participate in sport. Yeah, exactly. Ah, and yeah. I think uh, uh, it, most of the people, even if they didn't play, you know, a team sport, there were so many other sports as well, as I said, sailing and um, uh, swimming, etc. And, uh, and it was all very accessible. And I know now I've got uh, kids myself and trying to figure out their active school system and trying to get them to be part of a team etc it doesn't feel as accessible as it was when I grew up and I think we had an A, B and a B team and uh, if you wanted to play football you know there was always space whereas here you you know there's waiting lists for everything. Well, that's I think. really interesting because you did speak about that recently mm. about how you couldn't get your son early on into football because it was full up. Strangely enough a conversation with my own son yesterday my grandson's keen to do uh, football but can't get in because there's no room for him. It does seem a bit bizarre isn't it? You know we need to figure this out and how we it's all about competition and numbers but it shouldn't be that it should be about having fun and playing and learning and rotating if you've got 30 right 15 play you know one week and 50 the other there are ways around this these problems are not insurmountable and we're only making more problems for yourself in the long term absolutely but i liked your point when you said that um your friends were sporty and girly girls because mm. i believe in scotland that young girls think you've got to make a choice one or the other and that really impacts on sport I, I agree and um, I don't think that you know if you're playing sport that you can't still be feminine and in fact a lot of people when they see me they said oh do you do powerlifting? You don't look like a powerlifter. <laughs> I would think most people must say that to Anna Lee because you're very, very feminine looking and long blonde hair, you know, nails done, everything that, you know, people would think, oh yeah. Yeah, but I think ultimately, you know, sport to me is about health and well-being and especially team sport has brought so much joy to my life and it's really been, uh, you know, something that I loved doing when I grew up. But it also helped me to feel included. You know, I had such a brilliant group of friends that, you know, stayed with me for, for most of my life. And I think that's actually something that's really important for young women and and, and boys. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very, um, I believe that sport is incredibly important for young people. So let me take you back a little while. Um, you left Sweden. What, what? age were you when you left Sweden and what were the reasons for leaving this wonderful wonderful place? <laughs> so I left Sweden in 1999 and uh, when I graduated from university I was the fifth employer, um, fifth employee at an internet 
company and this is when the internet bubble was booming so that company grew to um, 500 plus people we IPO'd and we expanded to 12 countries so cut a long story short when I was in my early 20s I got a transfer to set up the UK operations on behalf of the Swedish internet company and that's what brought me to the UK. And that was London, was it? It was London, uh-huh. uh, and it was brilliant. Uh, I came to London, it was me and my little laptop, and I had loads of venture capital investment, and I had a roll-up plan, which was, uh, which had been created by an established management accountancy firm, so I was very sure I, need, I knew what I needed to do, but it was very daunting. I was uh, young, and you know I hadn't been in business for that long, but I approached it in the same way as I did sporting challenges I had a plan and I just kind of thought that you know I can do this you you have to really dig deep sometimes to find that confidence to to take the jump yeah because um, I mean it's a huge step so so you've got yourself in London how did you then get involved in sport? Did you use sport at that point to make new friends if you were on your own? I did. So uh, I started playing football with Chiswick ladies. Ah, right. And uh-huh. that was uh, very social. And <clears throat> I made some really great friends. Uh, and uh, it was good fun. Uh, and I think it was Division 4, maybe. Maybe even 5. Uh, but I think uh, I also wanted to find something that the standard was a little bit higher so then I switched to Camden Town so that we played in uh, Division 1 in the Greater London League so that was really good fun so I played for them for a a couple of seasons as well and I found an ice hockey team which was quite hard to find at that point because <laughs> there's not that many teams around but I joined the Romford Nighthawks and it was a brilliant team and uh, we won uh, the season uh, that year when I when I played so that was really good fun. So did you find a, a huge difference between attitudes opportunities etc from you know coming from Sweden where sports part of your day-to-day social life um, and coming to the UK? I think it was um, it was different. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what that difference was, but I think it was uh, fewer clubs, so it was quite hard to find. In, initially, I had to kind of travel quite far out or go to a different part of London to kind of try and find something that I thought uh, suited me. But once you're in that team you're playing it's just the same as anywhere else and I think sports really got that power to break down barriers that regardless of what job you have or where you're from you know you're part of that team and I think all the women that I played with made me feel incredibly welcome and I'm still pals with some of them uh, so I think uh, once you're in it it was exactly the same but uh, it was a bit harder to find and especially the ice hockey team was very hard to find uh, compared but it sounds to... as if you've had a great experience with both football and ice, ice hockey down in London absolutely yes. and I wouldn't have actually stopped playing uh, if it wouldn't have been for a knee injury uh, and that happened just before I moved up to London um, so uh, when I came I was a bit just before I moved up to Edinburgh sorry um, and I initially tried to go back into football but I had some ligament issues with my knees so I thought I think that's it for my football career because there's quite a lot of impact in in football so I switched 
to running, and that's when I took up. Yeah, uh, yeah so because I was reading about it. I mean, you've run what ten marathons, and you've done an <laughs> ultra marathon, Glasgow to Edinburgh, raced one hundred and five miles across Scotland. I, I mean, again, not being. Um, sort of offy with the knee issues you'd have thought that sort of pounding the streets in terms of running would have affected you obviously not i know so i started with a 5k then a 10k then half a marathon then a marathon and i thought okay i can do this and it's just uh, so stopping you so. <laughs> and then i thought maybe I, I could get a better time because i'm not a very quick runner so i think i got my marathon time down from five hours to 347 wow, and then i thought cute. i don't know if i can get that much quicker maybe i can run longer distances so that that's when I tried an ultramarathon, which was a brilliant experience. I ran from Glasgow to Edinburgh along the canal, and it was a beautiful day. And uh, it was really interesting because I think with the endurance sport, the secret to endurance running is carbs and having the right fuel etc so my husband actually cycled next to me the whole way from Glasgow to Edinburgh and uh, we had a lot of a lot of food with us <laughs> it's a strange kind of picnic to have isn't it <laughs> on the go <laughs> your husband's a personal trainer is that right he is yeah indeed. and does he help you i would assume so yes uh-huh. so greg's been absolutely instrumental in helping me um understand how I should approach performance especially with the running when I met him I was doing the same length of runs almost at the same pace a lot you know you do the same things and you you've got your routines but actually if you and I had this idea that I'm not a quick runner and you know I can do and I had been doing marathons but at a very slow pace and but with the right approach Anybody can get quicker. It's just thinking about what do I need to do to get quicker? I need to do interval training. I need to train in a systematic way. I need to look at my heart rate. I need to push it. And I think that's what he's really helped me bring. It's an intelligent way of approaching your training. And you don't need to half kill yourself. You can still get better. And it, it becomes more enjoyable because you feel like you're progressing. It's great to have that support and knowledge on tap, isn't it? I well, know. That sounds really He's good. a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was delighted to see that you joined the Board of Scottish Women in Sport um, just probably the past month or two. Um, and we had our recent um, conference at, uh, at Whitespace in Edinburgh. And it was about the power of sport. And it was all about, you know, the, the impact that sport can have on people's lives. Um, and you presented um, around how companies can get involved and in what was called their CSR budget. I think you're now saying it's now called social impact. Is that right? Yeah, for us, we call it um, social impact and different companies call it different things if it's there. I think social impact kind of stands out in your mind, doesn't it? It looks as if you're actually achieving something rather than your CSR budget. It's something you have to do, whereas the impact is something that happens if you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more important. And if we're looking at the millennials, which is an important part of the workforce, and for us, how do we attract millennials? How do we make them feel engaged in us as an employer? And they are, uh, if we look at what's important to millennials, they have a higher propensity to give money to charities and they want to feel like this purpose in what they're doing um, and they're very kind of socially conscious and that's why when we look at the initiatives that we drive 
it's great for um, um, you know where we live and we want to drive social impact but it's also good for us as an employer because it helps us um, create um, you know to feel to make our employees to feel that they can also give back through the help and support of us and we had Hannah um, just going to see the great example there didn't you with Hannah yeah, yeah so and Hannah is uh, a brilliant brilliant girl so this woman she works with my client services team and she's uh, great with clients and and she's also very good at lacrosse and then because she's so interested in lacrosse uh, she had the opportunity to use two days uh, to uh, go and provide taster sessions for lacrosse into schools which she was doing in collaboration with lacrosse scotland and it's a great example where she's very good at something and she could give back through the initiatives that we had but then it also benefited uh, the school where she was and i think for uh, Hannah as well, she's very keen on on trying to promote lacrosse uh, because I think it's also, you know, um, it's not that widely spread, especially in certain schools. So I think this was a great opportunity for her as well to uh, to give something back. So, so part, part of the sort of um, social impact was that she was given time to yeah. actually go into the schools with some, some time off work to go in and, and deliver lacrosse to the schools. Exactly. And that's grown, hasn't it, since... Since you started it? Yeah, absolutely. And we have uh, got an initiative through our social impact um, uh, project that we everybody who works in our uh, four dense wages can give, to, have two days per year that they can um, go and work for the charity of their choice. So uh, we want people to use their days. And that's why it's great to try and find these volunteering opportunities. And I think that's really where... Um, sport uh, in Scotland have got an untapped opportunity. There are businesses out there that's got uh, engaged workforce that want to get involved and I think especially if we're looking at, at the women in sport and what we want to do to drive gender equality in sport um, this is an opportunity that, so it's, it's, a know, win -win yeah, it's a win-win situation it's a win-win situation so I think what we need to find is a way of brokering those volunteering opportunities with businesses as well to, to make this a bit more mainstream. One of the quirky things you kind of presented on the day because I think it was really good it's always good to have something different because if it's all the same people kind of sit back and yeah. tune out um, was uh, and I can't remember exactly what it was called but it was sort of noticing that within Spotify that the majority of hits were for male artists and you worked within a, an organisation to sort of change that and bring some female artists up. Can, <laughs> yeah. you, can you remember any of the Yeah, so uh, it was uh, uh, we've got amazing case studies where we've looked at different initiatives and I found this uh, example where we've been working with Smirnoff and Spotify to create an app that promoted more gender balanced uh, and especially female artists to drive more uh, gender equality in music streaming and uh, it was a great success and again I think this comes back to thinking about the the momentum that feels like is behind women's sport there are I'm sure many more brands that want to get involved and also look at how can we leverage not just businesses kind of social impact agenda but also brands that 
you know, want to help drive this. Well, women, women are great consumers, aren't they? And they've exactly. got the disposable income, so why not? Exactly. So what I also find fascinating, uh, and, and I totally um, get it, is that you believe that sport has helped you in your working life. In fact, I mean, you've been named as the best managing director at the Scottish um, Women's Business Award in 2019, so that's a great accolade. Um, so tell me, how was that day for you? And, and Give me your philosophy behind how sport helps you to, to be so good at work. Yeah, so that was 2018. 2018. But, um, uh, but yeah, it was, um, I think what when I approach business, it's all about performance, uh, driving performance for our business, but also our clients. Uh, and through the team angle, also look at how do you get the people with you so that we're all kind of, going towards this um joint goal and i and the way i approach business challenges has come from how i approach sporting challenges as well and i think uh especially with the power lifting as well it's all about incremental gains over time so how can i tweak this how can we do things differently how can we challenge the status quo um and when i joined then to ages i think I had a very clear plan in terms of how do I drive growth, how do I become a good leader, and I cemented my kind of way of working very much as the same ethos as I've had, sporting performance, and and yeah, that's why I think there's a clear overlap, so if we can drive gender equality in sport, I am sure that that will have a knock-on effect to businesses as well and help us create uh, more future female leaders as well because I do think when you join sport and you have played sport, you gain so much, not just in self-confidence, but also this acceptance that it's okay to fail. You need to put yourself out there, you brush yourself off, you're not going to win every game, but it's about trying really hard, understanding from your mistakes or, you know, what could I have done differently to play better, for example, uh, and then you, you move forward from there. So you've alluded all through this conversation to powerlifting. So yes. I think we have to focus on powerlifting because that's your main sport now. In fact, you know, you've um, you've got quite a lot of success there. You've been the, the best female lifter at the Scottish Masters Powerlifting Championships for the past three years. And you've got a big tournament coming up. So when did your interest get sparked in powerlifting? So I had uh, my first son, Jack, in 2012. And I remember it distinctly because Jack was three months and my husband, who's a personal trainer, was training uh, two women who was going to compete in powerlifting. So I tagged along and I had little Jack with me and I watched these women lift incredible amounts of weight. And I thought, wow, I want to try that. And I guess because I've been doing a lot of pre-season training a lot of times for the football and the ice hockey, etc., it came quite quickly to me. So I was hooked from day one. Uh, so, and that's where the incremental gains really. Um, uh, I truly understood that because you're only adding one kilo here, two and a half kilo there. But when you look back over the year and you go, wow, I've increased massively. So that's something that I think uh, makes you, um, uh, makes drive you forward because you want to get better and, and you're ultimately just competing against yourself in many ways, but actually uh, being 
you know, a competitive powerlifter also brings a new dynamic to it because it's quite nerve-wracking during the day. You need to be very clear on what you're able to lift that day and be in that zone, in that moment, to really try and give it your all. And I've been very lucky to win the best female lifter uh, at Scottish Masters Championships um, to uh, three years running uh, so I guess what you were talking about earlier is how do I sustain that how do I continue to, <laughs> I to improve yeah. that, I so, um, but uh, it was great two years ago when I went to the Commonwealth Championships and I managed to win a silver medal and two bronze um, and my husband travelled with me to that competition which was in South Africa uh, and it really gave me the taste to actually want to compete more internationally um, so I was second in the British last year uh, but it's only the number one that goes on to the world to be part of the British team so I was just a reserve for that so on the you know for for that team so um I thought okay well maybe when I'm 50 I go into a new this category is, this is where the <laughs> comes in, doesn't it? Yes. maybe then I'll uh-huh. be able to compete for Britain but I'm absolutely delighted now to have made the Scottish team so I'm going congratulations to, thank you <laughs> so I'm going to Canada I fly out on the 16th of September um and uh, I'm going to compete on uh, the Wednesday, the 18th. So, yeah, not long now. It's uh, the final final kind of lead up. So how do you train for this? How do you prepare for it? So it's been um, a long a long period of when I've been focusing on this competition. So I train in eight-week blocks um, and I do six weeks of training and then I have two weeks of kind of a wash-up block before I go on to the next one. And the aim is to progress as much as you can but also to peak in time for competition so your first block you might do loads of volume and then you start going for higher intensity more weight and you're trying to gauge how much will I be able to lift in competition without tiring you out before the competition because you don't want to leave your best lifts in the gym you want to bring it it's very technical so um I had a fantastic uh, weekend of training. I got a PB in my deadlift, which was 147 and a half kilos. And I also got a personal best in my squat, which was 120 kilos. So to put that in, um, you know, in context, that's kind of double body weight uh, for me. So I was delighted with that. So hopefully I'll be able to to improve on that slightly as well in, in competition. Well, it's not going to be long now, is it? I and know. It next week and that shoe off? I know. So, uh-huh. And next week, I, I'm not going for max. It's starting to taper. So it's all about trying to make sure that uh, I you feel rested because actually when you are tired or if you're stressed that really drains your central nervous system because if you go in and you're going to do a double body weight squat you need to be so focused you need to feel so fresh and and mentally ready to lift that weight so that's what the focus will be between now and competition is just to feel strong uh, physically and mentally well all i can say is i hope that all this training all this planning and that your focus gets you to canada and that you come back um happy with your performance um 
let me wish you the best of luck. And what you do quite a lot to help you when you're training is your music. Absolutely. And one of the things you're going to do is tell us about one of your songs and we're going to play out with it tonight. <laughs> so that's uh, Enter Sandman by Metallica, which helps me get in the zone. So when I go in, in training and I go for my max lift, I put this music on because it really brings out that focus and that aggression that you actually need to be able to perform your best. So, so we're talking about the power of sport and the power of music. Absolutely. I hope your <laughs> listeners enjoy it. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Annalie. And as I say, good luck to you um, for the Commonwealth Championships. Thank you very much, Maureen. And thank you, thank you for having me. Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio.